John chapter 1. And today's message is entitled, Spreading It Far and Wide. Spreading It Far and Wide. What a great title in the middle of a pandemic. Spreading It Far and Wide. Pun intended. <laughs> As you're turning there to John chapter 1, I'm going to say a statement that is not going to be a surprise to anybody here, and that is that even though things have happened throughout our history that have changed the way we live and changed the way we think and the way we do things, I don't think anything has changed us uh, apart from Jesus, has changed us in the way we live, the way that this virus has. And it has come in and... Um, it's it's changed everything uh you know go back in your mind uh, a year ago today what were you doing differently uh it's 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 mind-boggling to think about uh, how much has changed and we've got a lot of people um for me personally it seems as though the uh people who are are contacting this virus uh, I know more people personally. You understand what I'm saying? Before it was the virus that so-and-so got, I don't know who they are, those people over there, that group over there. But recently it seems as if uh, more people that I know personally have have gotten this, this virus. And so it's uh, it's humbling to think about but, you know, you look for the silver lining. Uh, you look for uh, what it is that God wants to show you. I hope, I hope I do that every day, even as the news goes from great to bad to not so bad to not so good. Uh, look to see what is it, God, that we can get from this today. What is it that we can uh, understand about life and how we're supposed to live it through what we're going through. And so I was thinking about being... Uh, the people who do have the virus and how they have to be quarantined, you have to be careful because it's it's contagious. And it can spread like wildfire. And I began to think about the idea and the thought, which is really not new. I'm, I'm thinking that it's probably something that entered my mind because I had heard or thought about it before. And that is, just as this virus is contagious and can spread very quickly, we, as God's children, we as Christians, need to maybe take a hint from this virus and follow its trajectory, and we need to be contagious as well. We need to be spreading some, th some, some things around as well. And all, I know what you're thinking, and you're thinking right. Yeah, we need to be spreading this good news. We, we don't keep it to ourselves. We don't pick and choose. Uh, we don't deem who is worthy to hear my testimony and who isn't. Uh, we, we are always ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. And that happens in the moments that we go through every day, like pumping gas or buying groceries or going to work. Uh, and then those moments that we don't expect or that are different, like when we have to go to the doctor's office or when we have to go have a test done or, 
you know, things of that nature. When we, you know, a lot of our folks have traveled, and even in traveling and, and going on vacations and things like that, we have opportunities to be contagious. And, and you say that to the, to the average person out on the street, and they look at you horrified. And, but, but what we're talking about is being contagious by spreading something good. Because we have some good stuff to spread around. Good, good stuff. And Robert talked this morning about Scripture and the Word of God and what the Word of God can do and how important it is. And we should be amazed every time that we read the Word of God because it's full of amazing things. Not just big boats and oceans that are split apart and big mammals that swallow men and then spit them out and fire raining down from heaven and burning up things that have been covered with water. And it's more than just wow stories like that. On an individual level, when we study the Word of God and we hear what God has done for us and what the, what the cross means for us and what the resurrection means for us and the power that we have because of the Holy Spirit living within us, that's why, <coughs> that's why we need to read the Bible. We don't read the Bible so we can check that list off. You know, we think, as we do in a lot of things we do in life, we feel like someone is taking, taking inventory of our lives. We feel like somebody has a, has a check sheet for us and that they're checking things off. And we've got to do that daily Bible reading so that whoever's checking off can check it off. And in doing it and making it such a chore and an obligation, we can do it without any heart and without any desire to get anything out of it other than that check that says, I did my part today, leave me alone. <laughs> or I did good, you know, look at my record, I got a good record. And, you know, I'm glad that, that my record was erased and it was replaced by his forgiveness, his faithfulness, and his righteousness. So as we encourage you as pastors and as teachers and as parents and whoever it is that's encouraging you to read the word of God, we're encouraging you to read it because it will be to your benefit. And you will receive you will receive things from it that you can spread around. Um and and be contagious as a child of God. So let's look at our scripture this morning. John chapter 1, beginning with verse number 35. As we think about being contagious and spreading it far and wide. Verse number 35 will begin. John 1, 35. Again the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them. Okay, I want to stop right there and just read that again. Then Jesus turned and saw them following. What a, what a, what a blessing to Jesus for him to turn and see us following. Amen? Not just believing not just understanding he is who he says he is and being okay with that, but actually following, following him. And saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, 
which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is, being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Okay, we're going to stop reading there. And just want to say again how much things have changed uh, since this virus came on the scene for us. Uh, just take a look at professional sports and how they have been affected and how fans were not allowed, well, schedules were changed. Fans were not allowed, and now if they are, it's in very much, much smaller quantities. And, and things have closed down. We've got businesses closing down, schools closing down. We've got churches that have had to close down. Thank goodness uh, most churches are trying in some way to still continue to spread the good news and we have been able to use technology to do that and things that we may thought we wouldn't really ever have to do uh, we're able to do that we're making something good out of something that could have been bad you know of course school school sports also shut down uh, we've got a we've got a, a wrestling coach in the back who I'm sure at some point uh, while he's here at church would love to clear the floor and pit a couple of you against each other just to see what it felt like to be in a wrestling match again. Any volunteers? I don't think so. <laughs> so we know that's all that's been shut down. You know, vacation plans uh, have been abandoned. Uh, things that, that we had on schedule, we've had to take off the schedule. A lot of changes. And then people have caught this virus and people who have been in contact with people who have caught this virus uh, have had to be quarantined because it's very contagious. They can spread very easily, very quickly. And so my thought again is let's take, let's take a hint from this virus and let's be contagious as well. Now as we, as we discuss this scripture and talk about this scripture, I'm going to tell a story. It's a true story throughout as we discuss certain things from this scripture that I want to share with you this morning. And it's a story that will begin, uh, some of you may know the story, but it'll begin one way and it'll end another way. And we'll be, we'll be able to see uh, through the whole process of what's taking place how people were contagious and it made a difference and it changed. Let's just say this. It changed the trajectory of this world. It changed the direction of, of the people. It made a difference, not just in a few lives, but in thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of lives. So it's not anything to, you know, to, to disregard. It's a great true story of how people allowed themselves to be contagious, and it made a difference. And it started with a man 
by the name of Edward Kimball. And Edward Kimball was just like you and me. He was just an ordinary guy, uh, ordinary person. He was a Sunday school teacher, and he loved teaching his Sunday school class. But he had some health issues, went to the doctor. The doctor told him that he had very little time to live. He was going to die. And so what was on his heart was that those boys that he taught in Sunday school, he wanted each one of them to be saved. That was his goal. That was his desire. And so he began to witness to these young men and minister to these young men. And they began to one by one accept Christ as their own personal Savior. But there was one young man that was having a difficulty grasping it and understanding it. So Mr. Kimball took it upon himself to go where this young man worked and met him in the stock room of where he worked and began to talk to this young man and to disciple this young man. And he told him the importance of, and we stress this here, a relationship. Not just a knowledge, not just an understanding, not just a belief, but a relationship with Jesus Christ. And on that day, this young man accepted Christ as his personal Savior. This young man's name was Dwight L. Moody. And he accepted Jesus in the stockroom of a shoe store. I would like to work in something really clever about souls. You know, his soul, the souls of shoes. I can't think of anything right now. Uh, if you think of something, tell me later. But anyway, he, he was, his life changed forever that day. And so, Dwight L. Moody, you probably know this name. He has touched lives on, you know, physically he touched lives on two different continents. But what he did after that reached the world. He reached thousands of people for Christ. Thousands of people came to faith uh, through the Moody Bible Institute, which teaches every year hundreds of missionaries and Bible teachers and preachers. He also started a broadcasting network, the Moody Broadcasting Network, provides 24 hours a day religious programming across a lot of different radio stations. We know that radio stations are the only way that some people have to hear the gospel, even today, all these years later. And he also had, uh, began a, a publishing company that prints thousands of Christian books every year. And there's really no way for us to know how many people have been affected, how many souls have been saved because of this young man's surrender to a relationship with Jesus Christ because, and because of the work that Dwight L. Moody did after that took place. So think about that. We're going to take a break from our story, and we're going to talk a little bit about our scripture now. Now think what this shows us is the importance. If we want to be contagious, then it's got to start very simply with a relationship. Just like Mr. Moody in the, in the stock room and the Sunday school teacher who was very close to death, who took his time to share the gospel with this young man, a relationship has got to take place. We see in our verses that we read earlier that two of the disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus and one of the two 
Verse 40, one of the two which heard John speak uh, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And there's that word followed again. You know, just again, how important it is to be not just a believer, but a follower of Jesus. Following in his footsteps. We know what that means. Doing what Jesus did. Thinking as Jesus thought. Speaking as Jesus spoke. Being as much like him as possible. But to be a follower, it requires a change. It requires a change. It requires a change from the way we used to be to the way that he wants to make us. Scripture tells us, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's always been a prevailing thought that everybody will end up going to heaven. God won't send anybody to hell. You know, every, everybody has got some good in them, and I believe that at the end of time, that that good will be good enough to get them into heaven. But that's not true, and that's not scriptural. And let's just disregard that teaching and that thinking altogether. You know, sometimes even the strongest and most devout Christians, just because the situation is difficult, will we'll agree to such things. Well, maybe, maybe so, we'll see. But we know that's not what Scripture says. It says here that except a man be born again. So for you to be able to go to heaven, for you to be a follower of Christ, you have to be born again. You have to receive Christ as your personal Savior. You must make that decision. I must make that decision. And he goes on to say, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. So the question to everyone here today is, have you been born again? Have you been born again? Deal with it now. Deal with it today. Don't put it on the back burner. Know for sure today is the day of salvation. If you're not sure, you can be sure today. You've got to know uh, if you want to be a contagious Christian, you've got to know what you're talking about. You've got to understand what it means to be born again. You've got to be saved before you can effectively share Jesus Christ. Because something changes within you. A lot of things change within you when you're saved. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. So we've got to have an understanding that we are saved and we must be confident in that understanding. And we can be because the Word of God tells us that it is possible. <clears throat> we do not need to walk around wondering, am I really saved? Have I really been born again? We can know this for sure and he made a way for us to know through his word, which, which is why it's important for us to read. 1 John 5.13 tells us how we can be sure. These things have I written. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You may know that you have eternal life. There doesn't ever have to be a day in your life as a Christian where you have to wonder because these things have been written 
so that you may know. I have a device attached to me right now, <laughs> and it's right here, right here, and it is continually checking my blood sugar. And I have to change it every 10 days or so. It's very easy. It's like a Band-Aid, no big deal. If it were anything more than that, I would have said no. I can't do it. I can put a Band-Aid on, but I can't do anything more than that. And so with this device, I'm able to know what my blood sugar is, and, and I can make treatment decisions. If it's too high, I can take a little insulin. If it's too low, I can eat a whole chocolate cake, something like that, you know. But when I first started changing this out, there's a process you have to go through. And I would try to go through it in my mind as I'm driving or something. I'm like, oh, now do I, do, I, do I cut it off? Do I cut the transmitter off? And then do I peel it off? And, and then I have to pop it out and put it in. I, was, I just didn't know the sequence. And so without fa even now, I've been doing this for several months. Even now, I still get the little manual out. Because somebody thought that it would be important to write this down so that I would know how to do it. And so that's what the Word of God <laughs> does for us. It tells us, you know, these questions in our lives that we want to know this and we wonder that, the answers, they're in this book. They are there. And I'm a lazy person, and I don't like, I, sometimes I want the easy way, or well, most of the time the easy way is good way, isn't it? Uh, but, you know, sometimes we just got to get down and open up the book and search and look and cry out to God and find that answer. It's there. It's in there. I don't care what your question is. I don't know. I don't care what your problem is. But, William, we're in 2020, and this was written way back 2,000 years ago. And how can what was written way back then have any bearing on what I'm going through today? And my advice to you will be, well, just read it, and you'll see. Read it and find out. It's there. William, how do I talk to a friend who I believe is involved in something that's, that's wrong? And, and I, wanna, I want to approach them in the right way. I want to approach them in love. I don't want to approach them judgmentally. We talked about this last Sunday. I don't want to be very you know, critical of them. But my heart sees that they are going to hell. And how do I approach them? What do I say? Get into the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and instruct you and teach you. And before you know it, you're going to see the Spirit of God working through you and it's going to absolutely blow your mind. And you're going to say to yourself, the answer was there in the Word of God all the time. And being in the Word and studying the Word and spending time with Him, it does something to me. And it makes me more prepared. And none of this is possible unless you have a relationship, unless you've been born again. If you're trying another way, if you're trying another means, you're going to wear yourself out, you're going to burn out, you're going to leave the church, you're never going to turn back, and you're, going to, you're, you're just going to go in a direction you don't need to go in. Don't do it your way. Do it his way. Do it his way. Follow him. Don't jump ahead of him. Follow him. He will make us fishers of men, he says. So we, this scripture tells us that we can understand salvation. 
and in our desire to be contagious, we need we need to to know that it's important for us to be born again. I think it's possible to 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 look from a distance the, at a, at the Christian life and the Christian way of being, and want that, and try to try to make try to make that happen in your own life. Sometimes sometimes boyfriends and girlfriends try to do this. You know, when when a guy and a girl begins dating and you've got one that's a believer and one that's not and the one that's a believer is trying to you know be that missionary and get them to church and and tell them about jesus and and the other one's like i really like this person but all they want to do is talk about jesus and and so you're talking about jesus and and you think they're listening and they're coming to church and 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 then this person that's not a believer begins to think well you know i think i can i think i can pull this off because, you know, what some people believe that aren't saved, they'll look around at, at Christians and they'll say, because all these people are faking it anyway, I can tell. But we, we don't want to be that type of a Christian. And all we have to do is look to the Word of God to see what it says about us. We are brand new. We are new. We're not perfect, and we are going to sin, and we are going to mess up. But it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can get back up and keep moving and use that experience, that mistake, that faltering that happened in our lives. We can use it and we, we can, we can uh, share Christ in a way we couldn't before because of what we went through. Boy, I'm going all over the place with this. But what I'm trying to say is that you can be apart from the Christian life and, and try to make it look like you're a Christian. You go to church. You might even pray with pray with each other. You might even have devotions with each other. I don't have anybody in mind when I'm saying this either, by the way. So don't think he's thinking about me. He's talking about me. I'm not. This is just an illustration that the Lord popped into my head last minute. Thank you, Lord. But that can happen. Now, who's going to be more effective and who is more effective at sharing and being contagious? That person who actually has been born again or that person that's faking it? How good are you? How long have you been able to fake something and keep it up? I don't want to live that life. It's too exhausting. He's already done all the work. Let him work and live through me. He's the one that's got all the power anyway. So we've got to have that relationship. We've got to be born again. Very simple, very basic, but it's the truth that never changes. Let's go back to our story. We talked about Mr. Kimball, the Sunday school store, the teacher, that witnessed to a young Dwight Moody, and he got saved. And he began to, to affect people on two different continents for Christ. And then he had all of these different organizations that he started that gets out uh, the good news and spreads it all over the world. So one day, Mr. Moody, he's preaching in Great Britain, and there's a lady, and uh, she's also a Sunday school teacher. She hears this message, and she is moved by what he is preaching about, so much so that she goes back to her class, and she shares with her class what this preacher preached on. And that day in her class, every single boy and girl got saved. Now, I don't know how many. And I know the skeptic in all of us say, well, there's probably at least one that just said they did but didn't. We just sang, he can move mountains. 
He is mighty to save. So don't take anything away from that. If it says that every person in that class got saved, let's believe it. Because he can do that, amen? He's not relegated to just so many a day. Now, God, you can only save 257,000 people a day. No. So everybody in that class got saved. And so she went and told her preacher, because that's what you do. You know, if you're a Sunday school teacher and everybody in your class gets saved, well, I'm going to go tell my preacher that everybody in my class got saved this morning. So she went and told him, and the preacher was just blown away by that. But when he, when he heard that she had gone to listen to Moody preach, well, he wasn't that impressed because he had heard Moody preach before, and he just wasn't impressed by what he heard. Now, this pastor's name was Frederick Meyer. And he wasn't all that impressed with Moody himself, which can happen. I mean, how many of you have been blown away by a pastor? And you, and you shared that with somebody, and they said, oh, I've heard him. He didn't do anything for me. Well, that's the situation we got here. But even though Moody didn't impress him that much, what happened to this lady's Sunday school class did. And it had such a profound impact on his life. This is, this is what he ended up saying or thinking that day. He realized, and this is a pastor who was pastoring a church. He realized for the first time what it meant to be brokenhearted about sin and pointing people to Jesus. What? Realized for the first time how, what it was to be brokenhearted about pointing people to Jesus and brokenhearted about people's sin? A minister, a pastor, is that possible? Is it possible for a pastor to, to not have that burden? Is it possible for a Christian to not have that same burden? It is. We must have a burden for lost people. Frederick Meyer thought that he was doing what God had called him to do, but inadvertently through a Sunday school teacher and through really from a message from Moody that he got from God, he was impacted and he his life was changed that day. So it was possible to be a, a believer, it was possible to be a Christian, but all of a sudden get just such a burden for lost people. And that is another way that you and I can be contagious. We can have a burden for those who were lost and on their way to hell. Uh, in our scripture today, you've got Andrew. What did Andrew do after he met Jesus? What did he do? It says in verse 41 that he found his brother and said to him, we found the Messiah, we found the Christ. He went and told his brother because he had a burden for his brother. And when, when Andrew met him and, and decided to follow him, he didn't want to go any further without going and telling his brother about it too because he had a burden for his brother. Do you have a burden for your brother? Do you have a burden for your sister? Do we have the burden that we should have for one another? The burden for, for the lost that need to know who Jesus is. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 tells us, And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses, and sins wherein time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or conducted ourselves in times past 
and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. And then in Ephesians 2.12, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. So if seeing people that are bound for hell, if it doesn't move our hearts, then what you and I, according to what the scripture that we just read, what you and I have forgotten is we have forgotten where God saved us from and what God saved us from. Do you understand that before you were born again, before you started your relationship with Jesus Christ, do you fully understand that you were going to hell? Not because you're just a dirty, disgusting, filthy thing. That's just it. Sin separates us from God, and we deserve death, and we deserve hell. But he provided a way for us through Jesus, through the cross, and through his resurrection. So you were on a very dangerous path before you had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? And do you and do I understand that when we walk out into this world and we run into people and we pass people, just like the song, we, every day they pass me by and I look in their eyes. Are you looking in the eyes of a person who's on their way to heaven or are you looking in the eyes of a person that's on their way to hell? William, what do you expect me to do? You expect me to just stop everybody that I go by, rip their mask off, get a good look at their face and say, you don't look like a Christian to me. I'm going to witness to you till you get saved. So sit down. You know, are we going to do that? Absolutely not. We're not going to do that. But does it, does it burden our hearts when we, when we have loved ones, when we have family members? I mean, we're so caught up in everything. We're caught up in ordering our groceries and getting them picked up. And if we can't get the pickup time we want, we get really upset and mad. And if they make a, a, if they make a substitution that they didn't run by us, like I don't like that frozen pizza. I wanted the other frozen pizza. You know, we get caught up. What are you talking about, William? I don't even know what I'm talking about. Because we're so tied up with things that don't matter. And people are dying and going to hell. And we act like it's more important that we get the frozen pizza that we like. <laughs> and we just get mad and frustrated. But what, what kind of burden do we have for lost people? I'm not, I'm not up here shaking my finger at you and I'm not pointing my finger at you. I'm speaking to myself. Sometimes it's more important that I get a message prepared and, and ready and, you know, somebody needs to talk. Somebody texts or calls or needs something and I'm just like, I've got to, I've got to finish this thought out and I want to do this and I want to do that and and Robert was talking this morning about how sometimes we're, we're very selfish with our lives. Do we not remember that this life is no longer ours if we are born again and we've given our life to Christ? This is not my life anymore. It's his. And every now and then that little two-year-old within us, our lip starts to quiver and we get that real defiant stance and we're like, well, I want my life. 
I've got things I want to do with my life. How do, how do we reconcile that? This is all I can tell you. That God who created you has, has plans for your life and mine that are so much better than what we're, we're frustrated about and worried about day to day. And what the beauty of, of his plans for us is that as we surrender to them and allow him to do what he wants to do in our lives, we begin to see the beauty of the plan and we begin to enjoy the, our existence within that plan because we are actually living and experiencing life the way he intended for us to. And really, how many times have we gotten upset and worried about plans and things and things have to go a certain way and then they go the way we want them to and things just, just, just a big letdown. Just a big letdown. And you begin to think, I was worried about this and look what happened. And then you might think, well, I remember I felt like God tugging on my heart a little bit and trying to get me to go in another direction. I wonder... If I had done that instead, what would have happened? Are we burdened for the lost? Our duty, our duty is to go and tell. To go and tell. Our light scripture in James tells us that our life is a vapor. You know, there's a funeral tomorrow for a man that we all, most of us know. And uh, James Russell. And I'm sure in his last moments of understanding and comprehension, uh, maybe in the past several weeks or months, he had a thought or a full understanding of what it meant that life is a vapor. Because as old as some of us are getting, <laughs> and some of us are getting old, aren't we? Does it not seem like it has just been just like that? And so... The way we spend our time, that it makes how we spend our time from here on out so important. We need to have a burden for the lost, just like Andrew went back and got his brother. Sometimes we need to go back and talk to somebody. We need to go back and call somebody. We need to go back and share with somebody again. Uh, what's, what's Jesus and what he's all about? Let's go back to our story real quick. We finished off with Pastor Meyer. Uh, who finally got a burden for the lost. And he one time came to America, and he was preaching actually at Moody's School in Massachusetts. And uh, one, one of the things that he said in his message was this, if you're not willing to give up everything for Christ, are you willing to be made willing? If you're not willing to give up everything for Christ, are you willing to be made willing? Interesting. This comment changed the life of another young pastor. His name was J. Wilbur Chapman. He went on to become a great evangelist. One day in Chicago, the White, so uh, the White Sox baseball team got a day off, and Billy Sunday decided to take in one of Chapman's revival meetings there. And he accepted Jesus Christ while he was there at that meeting, decided to quit baseball he was willing to become willing willing to give everything he quit baseball and he became a part of chapman's team and then billy sunday began to do his own evangelistic 
Crusades. So he went from not really understanding Jesus, not really getting what Jesus was all about and this religion and salvation stuff, and he went from getting the proper perspective, the proper view of who Jesus is. Now, when we get saved, we see Jesus as our Savior. And we see that he has saved us from hell and he's forgiven us, forgiven us of our sins. But you know what? He is, so much, he is a Savior, but he is so much more than that. He is a, he is a constant help. He is a constant friend, a friend in need. He is our strength. He is our rock. There are so many things that we can say about Jesus. We sang a lot of them this morning. But in John chapter 1, verse 41, which we read earlier, we hear that they, they called him the Messiah. They called him the Christ. And as a contagious Christian, we've got to understand who Jesus is. And we've got to understand some things about him. And we've got to be comfortable about talking about him and who he is. We've got to be comfortable about talking about things like the fact that he was born of a virgin. And you know, you can still get some strange looks when you try to tell that story to some people. But we know it to be true, and it's been a true story for thousands of years. We've got to be comfortable with talking about how Jesus lived a sinless life. There have been debates through the years. Did Jesus sin? Could Jesus sin? If Jesus had wanted to sin, could Jesus sin? Because can't Jesus do anything Jesus wants to do? And if Jesus wanted to sin, couldn't he sin? But since Jesus is holy, would he really want to sin? Now, who's confused? He lived a sinless life. It's the only way that his sacrifice could be accepted, his perfect sacrifice. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. And then he rose again. He rose from the dead. Wow, again, he rose from the dead. And then he, then he went back to heaven, but he sent a comforter, the Holy Spirit. And one day he's going to come back. He's going to return. And he has the power to save us. And he has changed my life. He has changed your life. We've got to be comfortable with talking about these things. We've got we to practice talking about these things. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit to use us as we share and talk about these things. There's nothing more amazing in your life. There's nothing more worth talking about in your life than what Jesus Christ has done for you. And it's an amazing story, no matter whose story it is. You've got to think about it. You were brought from here, and you were placed here. And it's because you are loved with a love that you will never fully understand. And we work our entire lives to get people to accept us, and to get people to like us, and to get people to love us. And we will do things that, that we thought we would never do and we'll say things we thought we would never say just to get on somebody in somebody's group or on somebody's team or get somebody to like us and then we run into jesus and he says hey i love you just the way you are and you're like what's the catch and he goes well the catch was that your your sin had to be paid for and so i paid for it and, you know, I've got something really great for you. 
and you don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to work to keep it. But I got it, and I'm going to give it to you. You want it? And you know what you say, hopefully? Oh, yeah, I want it. And he will give it to you. That's the transaction that takes place. Isn't that beautiful? That, those are, that's a wow moment right there. He is our message. He is our mission. He is our master. He is the one that we want to bring our lost friends to. He is the one that we want to bring our lost family members to. And the way to do that is to be contagious by having an understanding of who he is and take it a step further and have an understanding of who he says I am. I am no better. I'm no better. I'm no better better than these political people that that can anger me so. <laughs> they need Jesus just like I need Jesus. Um, you know, these these the, the worst criminal, the person who's committed the most heinous crime. Jesus loves that person just as much as he loves me. So everyone is created in his image and everyone was created to be able to accept by their own choice this new life and then he commit you know once you do that once you give your life to him and once you're surrendered and willing then you get into the word and you read something that we call the great commission and it goes like this and jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth Go ye therefore and teach all nations, be contagious, be contagious. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, be contagious. And the Son, be contagious. And the Holy Ghost, be contagious. Teaching them, be contagious. To observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And two important facts. There's a lot of important facts, but two I want to impress upon you here. And that is that he will go with us, he will go with us, and he will guide us. So as we have a desire to be contagious and be used of God, he will go with us, and he will guide us. And again, he is just taking care of everything. And so it's not really all that hard to be contagious, is it? Become a Christian, be born again, have a burden for the lost. And have a correct view of who Jesus is and what he's called us to do. I'm going to finish the story out for you. In 1924, Billy Sunday, the guy that used to play baseball but now has become an evangelist, uh, he conducted a revival in no, nowhere else but, well, other places. But he conducted a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina. Y'all know where that is. And there was a group of laymen who formed an organization uh, after he came, so that they could continue to move around the area and witness for Jesus. And then about eight years later, that same group decided to bring another evangelist to town. His name was Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham. And he came to, to preach, just like, just like all the others had, uh, so that people could hear the gospel and so that people's lives could be changed. Um, there was a 16-year-old boy in a local high school that had told people he didn't plan on going. But he did eventually go because 
something that this pastor had said had in, had enraged some of the the high school boys in that area, and so their intention was to go to this this meeting and rile things up and cause trouble, and so this young man decided to go to see if anything would happen, because everybody likes a good riling up, a good you know something like that that everybody wants to see that, and so he goes and he 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 heard something that that really got him to thinking. And he, it got him to thinking so much that he thought, I'm coming back tomorrow night. And he came back the next night, and he got saved. And this young man's name was Billy Frank. That's what they called him. But we know him as Billy Graham. And so you see how from way back, people's desire to be contagious, to, to make a difference, to be willing, to be made willing, had an impact. And you say to yourself, what difference can I make? But I'm here to tell you, you can make a, a tremendous difference because you've got the creator of the universe living inside of you. And he made everything. And he brought about salvation for all those who would place their faith and trust in Jesus. So there's nothing that our God can't do. There's nothing that can stop our God. So with God in you, who is with you, and who will guide you, you can be contagious. And contrary to what, what anybody would say or report, you can be contagious and still wear your mask. Amen.